and welcome to another episode of Steampunk Coffee Behind the Beans. We're very lucky this week to be joined by a couple of our regular customers. We have Gregor Milne and Laura Cave, who um, are both super regular and have been visiting us for quite a few years now here at Steampunk. Um, and they very generously agreed to spend a bit of time with us this evening having a chat about coffee shops, what coffee means to them, and community around coffee. So thank you very much for joining us, guys. Um, yeah, so we're speaking to you guys today because I thought it would be super interesting to get the perspective of a couple of our real regular customers. Um, here at Steampunk, we've got loads of amazing, super regular customers that we really enjoy seeing every day, you know, and we sort of carry on little snippets of conversation. They carry on from day to day and things. Um, but I thought it would be really interesting to hear a bit more of your perspective about your relationship with a coffee shop, any coffee shop, our coffee shop, um, and what it is you like about visiting a coffee shop. Coffee shops for me um, kind of started when I moved to Edinburgh and I thought it was like the well-posh thing to do from being <laughs> from the middle of the countryside. Like it took a lot of guts to go and sit in a coffee shop by myself. And then I started working in them mm -hmm. and that made a big difference. And I worked in one for three and a half years. And what I really enjoyed about it was enjoying the conversation with the customers. And that actually led me into art therapy, which is weird. Huh. But it was about caring and knowing what the clients, clients, customers wanted. Mm -hmm. And just good old chin wags. Yeah. They, and they were really caring customer base. Um, even to the point that I got my flatmate left and left me with massive bills and they all got together and put money to, into an envelope so that Aww. I could pay my rent. So they were pretty awesome. Yeah. And then every cafe I kind of went to afterwards, I would look for that and I always kind of take the opportunity just to stop and have a blether. And then when we moved out here, I started kind of dropping in here on and off and to begin with I'll be honest I was really unsure I'm like I'm not sure I, I don't know and then I started working in the area and dropping in and my diet changed and I was like there's nowhere I can eat but here always had food I could eat and the guys were always really welcoming and it did feel that kind of way that when I came in you saw me and you heard me and you understood what I needed and so it just became about somewhere being somewhere safe somewhere I could come and like switch off do whatever I wanted, not be judged, not feel like, oh, I'm going to go for a coffee by myself. Um, no, I just like it because it's that kind of space. So yeah. it's it's community, it's conversation. Mm -hmm. And it's also knowing that half the time I don't know people, but we still say hello because we know we're regulars at Steampunk, which I really quite like. Yeah, <laughs> It's nice. It's been really lovely seeing the number of friendships and relationships that have occurred with people meeting each other here you know because they maybe they both have dogs and they sit downstairs you know and their dogs become friends and then they become yeah. friends and they start meeting up uh gregor i think you've made some nice friendships yeah here. i mean yeah. i have some great chats here in the morning well i kind of say that as though it still happens it doesn't happen quite as regularly but uh you know who i'm talking about i see kenny here most mornings yeah and uh yeah have a great chat and thankfully my son is well behaved enough that he normally sits and and behaves himself and just plays around yeah. long enough that I can have a bit of a conversation before heading off. Yeah, 
He yeah. always seems pretty happy to come yeah. here. Well, most days, every now and then, we'll have a day where you can yeah. tell he's not pleased. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it is great that thankfully he he does see this as as big a part of the day as I do. Yeah, which is uh, probably not a great thing, but uh, he is quite happy to, to come down and uh, kick off the day down here. Yeah, uh, which is great. Um, but it has been a big has made a big difference, obviously, since March. Um, not being able to come in, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, gradually kind of getting those conversations going again, and and it's getting colder and colder outside, but it's all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You guys come out in all weathers, though. I'm, I'm. Yeah. In fact, both of you, you do as well, Laura. I'm always really impressed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the the full body kind of you know yeah, waterproofs and tell them that yeah, we're not uh, not scared of a bit of rain, which. When it's absolutely pouring, you're kind of thinking, yeah, yeah this, is, this isn't great, but you've got to put a soldier on, put a brave face on. Yeah. But no, I, th- I think, uh, as you're saying, it's just, uh, it's a great, it is a great, it's a bit of a cliche, obviously, but it is a great hub, social hub. And um, that's what I look for in a, in a cafe. You know, you, there are lots of cafes that, that just don't quite get that, get that aspect right. Mm. And... Um, and they're perhaps not worth going back to, but um, yeah. But I, I um, Catherine knows that I used to I used to roast coffee for a roastery in Edinburgh. So when we decided to move out here. Um, you know, I am like lots of people, but particularly working in industry, uh, really kind of uh, was looking for really good coffee. So that was the main thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of before we moved out here. There's a roastery that roasts really great coffee next to the beach. Uh, so it ticked so many boxes. So thankfully, uh, I mean, we do say on a regular basis, we're so lucky to have it here because it makes such a, uh, such a great part of our, our lives living in North Berwick, really. It's interesting when, you know, every year the Times, for example, do the best places to live in the UK yeah. and this kind of thing. They always talk about the fact that there's good coffee somewhere. Like that always is part of what makes a place a good, you know, Absolutely. a good place. It's interesting that you're both, and in fact I am also, uh, we're all people who've moved into the area from elsewhere. Yeah. Um, do you feel that the coffee shop space has been a, a good entry point into like being part of the community uh yeah i mean and i I think it i think it kind of um is a good indication of the quality of the uh of the high street isn't it i mean it's where i was born and brought up in scotland um perhaps had that a long time ago but um i certainly haven't lived anywhere really in scotland where you've got so much um small independent businesses mm-hmm. on a, on a doorstep um, not to mention of course the butcher and the fishmonger and all that other stuff um, you know it's it's so unusual to find that elsewhere yeah. and I think this kind of is the icing on the cake um, for me personally so um, yeah I think it's a, a great social aspect for me personally yeah well, you both, um, I guess, are in situations that 
it could be harder to meet people, aren't you? I mean, Laura being self-employed, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and Gregor as well, you like the primary care for a little yeah. tiny person. Um, both of those positions can be quite socially isolating, um, I guess. So, uh, I'm nodding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm nodding quite voraciously. Um, yeah, certainly I can find I can get sucked in at home quite a bit into answering emails or in the studio doing illustrations and then when I do my one-to-one work here I always bookend it so even when it's dark I'll go for a walk on the beach because it's like chill out afterwards but my routine is I always come here mm-hmm. to start it because it's, it's almost like a treat but I also live in, in the village and there's locals but everybody's a bit older and it's not the same chat and I find the chat here is just I don't even know the word to describe it but it's just it's <laughs> but no it's, it's in depth because a lot of the time we talk about mental health which yeah. is the thing that I love and we talk about art and it's just good wholesome chat that's the only mm-hmm. way I can say it it's it reconnects me when I can be so focused mm-hmm. into one thing I can almost shut down mm-hmm. and so when I come here I feel like it's a recharge of my battery and it's like even through COVID that just dropping in mm-hmm. like I was really pleased when we could just walk in here I was like ah oh, thankfully <laughs> woohoo progress but it's just that little bit of normality and reconnecting and for me like yeah like I was saying you see people on the high street or people look at you and go do I know you oh yeah 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 you know me from here and then you start blethering to them mm-hmm. and I'm lucky I've got my dog and there's quite a few people that recognize me because of my dog or because of being here and that's my connector as well mm-hmm. so yeah yeah my dog's not just as well behaved I can't quite bring him in all the time <laughs> <laughs> but- we love it when you bring him though <laughs> I heard I heard Scott uh, say something the other day which um which I remember speaking about when I've had barista jobs over the years. And uh, yeah, I think it's really true that for some people, it might be their, their in, the, in extreme cases, might be their only social interaction mm-hmm. uh, for the whole day. Um, and it's, it's quite easy, to, I mean, it's, it's quite easy to forget that, but it, I'm sure in lots of cases it, it could be true. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and it's great to have staff that are able to... Um, have a nice conversation with mm-hmm. um, without it being kind of forced or kind of unnatural or whatever. It's just a nice, nice bunch of people, definitely. And do you come here for the coffee or the chat? <laughs> oh, definitely both. I think <laughs> if the if we didn't get on with everyone so well, then I think yeah, definitely wouldn't come in as as often. Mm-hmm. You know, you might be more inclined to just buy the beans and just drink it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, if if there isn't any other cafes nearby that you're too keen on either. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely definitely important. I think, like I said, I I used to roast, and so from a from a wholesale point of view, I've been in you know literally hundreds of cafes mm-hmm. throughout the UK, yeah. and um, and I, there's definitely something about this cafe that makes it one of my favorite. Obviously, being on my doorstep, I'm slightly biased, but mm-hmm. there is something really good about it that does kind of uh, make me walk, you know, a mile and a half in the pouring rain or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that is so nice to hear. 
honestly, it's stuff like that that makes it worthwhile for us, you know, because yeah. it's it's hard work. And yeah. this year has been has been really hard, and it's been the kind of the positive, you know, comments we get from people, whether it's you know, connections we've made online with people during sure. lockdown and stuff, or the face-to-face -face ones that really keep us going, yeah. you know? It's interesting, I hadn't really, I hadn't thought about it when I asked you guys to come and chat with us, but you both do have insider experience of working in hospitality. Um, do you think that changes a person working in hospitality? I mean, it's a long time since I've um, done barista work, but um, but most of the roasteries that I've worked in have had that kind of cafe aspect to them. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's all kind of part of the part of the same thing, and it's just kind of all a big cycle of kind of if I'm not necessarily doing a barista job, people coming in and asking. You can imagine what it's like. You know what you're up to. Mm -hmm. show them the roastery, mm -hmm. talk to them about that kind of thing. It's it, out of all the jobs I've had, I mean, it goes, it's uh, without any exaggeration, without, uh, with all the jobs that I've had um, in my adult life, there's none that have been as big a conversation starter as coffee. Mm -hmm. um, I'm obviously not in that situation now, but when you're at a party or, you know, friends houses or whatever and, and someone asks you that kind of question what do you do uh and you say i roast coffee um there's never been a bigger conversation starter as i'm sure mm. you know uh, all about um so i think it's i'm naturally quite a chatty person anyway but i've probably never talked uh, as much about a specific job mm -hmm. um or a specific product as when I worked in coffee. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it, it is good for people who are either good communicators or, or want to kind of come out of their shell <laughs> yeah. and become better at talking. I mean, it kind of covers all that. It kind yeah. of forces you to do it. You have, um, you have to be, don't yeah. you? You have to become a good Absolutely. communicator. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely an interesting thing, coffee. Um, there's so much to it and the more you get involved in it the more you learn there is to know and it's endlessly yeah I mean interesting I've, it's an endless absolutely I don't think I I'm perhaps a bit too kind of self-effacing but I don't think right I've probably I mean I haven't roasted for an awful long time it's I think it's five years in total before um, my son came on the scene but even at the end of it I was kind of quite reluctant to kind of talk about anything in too in depth because I just you kind of you just there's just so much to learn even mm -hmm. then that I was always a bit kind of backward and coming forward about you know the roasting process mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. what it involved and stuff like that because it's just I thought I was just scratching the surface when yeah. I stopped yeah um yeah definitely it's every day was there's aspects of it that are obviously kind of quite factory-like but then, but then the flip side is that it's not really because you're just trying to, every roast that you do, you're trying to kind of get perfection every mm. single time. So it's a nice, nice process. It's a real combination of science and art, I think, yeah, you know, yeah. or science and craft maybe Absolutely. is a better yeah. word. Yeah. 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 Definitely keeps on your toes.
But um, the, the aspect of working in hospitality, I think that's interesting as well is that, you know, working in the, that service sector with the general public, like that's a, I've, I've often said, I, I think it should be like a national service that everybody should work one year, <laughs> you know, uh, serving people in, in the general public. And uh, you learn so much about about people you know for good and bad you learn so much about yourself as well your tolerances and yeah almost the kind of people you gel with and the kind of people you don't gel with as well and I think yeah going back to the question did it have an impact did it change you definitely did me Mm -hmm. but it made me feel feel like I belonged because I think it was one point in Toby's podcast he said it felt like a dysfunctional family here (laughs) and that's what I echo for the cafe that I worked in with like everybody was from somewhere else, like the chef was from Brazil. Um, The other chef was from New Zealand. The manager was from France. Mm. Um, And then there were people from lots of the private schools around that used to come and do their experience. And I'm very much somebody that believes in working from the bottom up. So we'd have boys from the private schools and they'd want to do certain roles. I said, no, you have to start cleaning the salad. And I used to enjoy that because it was about, it wasn't about taking anybody on a peg or two. It was about mentoring them and understanding mm. how it all works. And that's how I, I started being a KP um, mm. back in a pub. So cleaning the kitchen and scrubbing the floors and learning all of it. And I think there's great value in that. And that has really stayed with me. So any job I've ever gone into, I'm happy to do the grunt mm. work. And if I've ended up managing a team, I'll go and do it alongside them. And I think that's what really changed me was the fact that actually the respect and respecting all you guys in here because I know what it's like when you've had a hard day and know what it's like to work the festival Mm -hmm. and then go on and do like a fine art gallery opening next door so you start at half five in the morning and you're probably clocking off at 12 and you're gonna be back in but you go oh well I'll just go to the pub when I was younger (laughs) and you just keep this cycle going but so Mm -hmm. I have so much respect for it especially like right now with all the extra pressures you're under to keep going and still turn up with a smile it's just I think it's amazing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's not enough respect for the like I don't think there's enough respect for the industry I think people just can quite easily and go it's just a job you're just passing the time it's like but you don't understand how much people learn and how character building I hate saying that but it it is it is yeah that's that's something that is the thing that I feel most sad about you know the changes we've had this year is losing a lot of the 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 sort of entry-level jobs that we had as as part of this business that was one of the more rewarding aspects of this of running a cafe for me was the young people that we've had come through the doors we've had some amazing young people and you know starting at the bottom as kp or assistants in the kitchen and just seeing them grow in confidence and in skill and um you know, leaving us as kind of adults, fully formed adults and having that experience of being part of a team. And uh, it it was just really kind of rewarding to to be able to offer that. And it's sad now that those are the jobs that we're not, we don't have now because of the way we're operating. Um, But yeah, I mean, this year has changed a lot of things. Uh, You guys have continued to visit us 
throughout, you know, as soon as we opened the doors again for some, you know, our hatch and coming to the terrace, you guys both have been mm -hmm. regularly coming back to us. And we're so grateful for the support of, you know, people like you guys uh, continuing to, to come out, even although we don't have the, you know, the cozy sofa by the fire, like, we, you know, the things that drew people before. But you've done so... You've done such a great job of keeping, um, I mean, obviously you want to keep your business going and that's why is obviously the, the motivation amongst other things, but you've made it easy for us to kind of stay involved, you know, when it was coffee deliveries and what have you during full lockdown mm -hmm. and social media and stuff. It's kind of, it's definitely been your attempts to kind of keep it, in everyone's minds has, has been successful because, you know, there's not a day goes by where we don't, even during lockdown, talk about steampunk or making sure we don't run out of coffee or, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and we've been so lucky that it's, that it's, um, that we've been able to get delivered or pop down and grab a bag or whatever. So mm -hmm. I think it just all goes back to you guys wanting to, want, wanting to keep the customer happy and mm -hmm. making it easy for us. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's it's no hardship <laughs> yeah. to uh, to pop down or to order coffee or whatever it's just it's great yeah yeah you got quite desperate for a coffee at one stage did you not during lockdown you tried yeah. roasting your own at that home? was i think that's <laughs> that's actually the only time that i've ever done it at home i had i had an old sample of Ethiopian, I think yeah. it was at home, and it was very old. Yeah. Probably talking maybe three years old, but I was desperate. <laughs> and uh, and I filmed it, put it on Instagram, and thankfully, Kath saw it <laughs> and said, "If you're that desperate, I'll pop some around to the house." Because <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but it, it wasn't great. <laughs> well, I did last weekend. I had my very first experience of that. roasting coffee yeah. on a mm. on a in a fire pit. Yeah. Um, and that was super, super fun. Yeah. And it was really interesting because you were able to see it happening in front of your eyes. Yeah. Whereas here it's happening inside that big drum and you, yeah. you can't see it. So it was super interesting. And we've shared that on a, a blog post with pictures. Toby came along and I took some that. nice pictures. So if any of you haven't seen it, you can, can see that on the blog. But um, yeah, it's there's something quite satisfying about seeing that coffee turn yeah. from something inedible to something delicious absolutely no eyes. i think you're right it was um it's weird seeing it just obviously you're you're kind of taking out the troll having a, a little look when you're mm -hmm. on the roaster but having it right there in the pan in front of you mm. it's definitely worth trying i mean yeah. it's you just see the process right there in front of you and obviously in a pan it happens quite quickly yeah. so you're forced to kind of uh kind of make a decision of when to, to, to take it off the fire, but um, it's great fun. Yeah. 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 I would do it again at home, but I did, um, I did make a bit of a mess in the kitchen when, <laughs> when the, um, when the chaff started kind of flying around oh, the yeah. kitchen. Yeah. I had that, I had a hoover in one hand, <laughs> kind of mixing it with the That's other. That's dedication. <laughs> Were you doing it on a pan on the stove? It was just like a thick bottomed pan on yeah. the stove. Wow. Um, and I hadn't really thought that far ahead of what was going to happen. Yeah, with after the, chaff. the after it cracked, yeah, it just it's started kind of flying off. Yeah. yeah, we're lucky it was a windy day on Sunday, and it was just kind of blowing out of the pan.
it's it's this year has been weird. It's been like a massive social experiment of you it's know very strange, isn't it? people being apart from each other and yeah. you know such sociable we're such sociable species and and we have to have this weird distance yeah between us and I wonder really how much we all appreciate quite how damaging that has been or is continuing to be yeah I think I think it will be seen in years and years to come I think it's been seen in the children that I work with certainly the impacts of it and it's rippling out through um throughout parents because parents can't connect as much and even in some of the playgrounds there's the masks and they're being ushered away so that form of community is kind of being broken down and for parents if they're carrying a lot or they want to share stories to say is it just me my child's doing this Mm -hmm. and like the children being told to go to certain playgrounds and not mix in different bubbles and their friendships are being cut Mm -hmm. and that will install in them now and this is going to sound really dark but it's true it that's their informative years that's Mm -hmm. going to impact the way that they therefore form relationships as they get older Mm -hmm. so like talking about what you're saying about going and meeting pals and having a cup of coffee it's really good to try and keep that normality and even for the kids Mm -hmm. if they're um if their best friends aren't in that bubble get them together as much as possible keep Mm -hmm. that normality going as much as we can within the safety Mm -hmm. but i think it's the repercussions will be sadly later especially in children Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in teenagers I was thinking about this today because of neuropathways and I've said this to you before like teenagers start and the World Health Organization has said it's now they think it stops at 25 that their brains stop developing Mm -hmm. so when they become a teenager they shed like almost like a snake the brain um, like the skin and so they build these new neuropathways and if they're not getting the social development that they need at the moment the neuropathways mm-hmm. won't be as strong mm-hmm. as they need to be. Mm-hmm. So it's about just trying to keep that mm-hmm. as m- normal as possible. Yeah. So yeah, sorry, that's really quite dark, but that's, I guess that's what some of the stuff that floats around in my head at the moment. Yeah. And there is a big, like, well, how do I say, I, I guess when it all first started, I saw a lot of colleagues go online and do Zoom online therapy, which is absolutely fine. But I thought there was a lot of reaction to begin with and I was somebody that sat there very still because I always felt and I still do do, that I will (laughs) call to action but it is it's almost I can see there being more of a need for therapists and talking therapies um, and mental health support in two to three years time Mm -hmm. rather than right now I think we're starting to see it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah I've definitely I mean I have two teenage children and I feel this year has been a real turning point in, in the battle against screens, <laughs> not just for my children, but for myself. I, I spend hours and hours with my, in fact, so much that like my thumb is really sore at the end of the day on my left hand. <laughs> it's really, um, but because that's our only connection with people like and whereas before I would really try to curtail my use of screens and I would certainly try to curtail my kids and you know we'd have a stopping point you know at a certain time of day and things like that well during lockdown that just went absolutely out the window my kids turned their days around they were up all night they were sleeping all day you know I've been I was like stuck to my phone for 12 hours a day um 
and I think that yeah, there there's gonna there's bound to be impacts sure. on on this mental is really health. Interesting. Yeah, because I mean, I listening to all that, I, and I do feel fortunate that that my son is the age is still only kind of two and a half. Mm-hmm. That there's mm-hmm. only so much mm-hmm. explaining that I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and at the moment, his world hasn't changed that much. But you know, a few years from now, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it, yeah. yeah, it'd be difficult explaining all the things that, you know, lots of people obviously are having to explain to their kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that I'm not really in that position mm-hmm. at the moment, to be honest. I think there's a, there's a lot happening. And I think there's a lot of people learning to gain their voice right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that COVID is giving is people are starting to really tune in what works for them, what doesn't, what sits with them, what doesn't, where they stand with it, and having those difficult conversations because I've had to have difficult conversations within my family. Mm-hmm. And actually, all right, I'm now 38, but standing up sometimes to your family is difficult and saying, mm-hmm. actually, no, that's not happening. Or political differences, family down in England saying, well, Nicola needs to pull her finger out and just get on with it. And I'm actually going, what? Actually, I prefer what she's doing to what you're doing, but not hiding from it, Mm -hmm. saying it with conviction. And certainly, like, with one of the platforms that I run, Anotherhood, there has been a big uprising within that Mm. and communities coming together and women connecting more Mm -hmm. um, because they've actually got the time to. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it is a good thing. I think the coffee shops, when they come back, I think there'll be more of a buzz and I think there'll be, or I hope there's going to be more challenging conversations and Mm -hmm. people willing to really tackle the harder conversations. Mm -hmm. That's my hope anyway, Mm -hmm. but that's what I kind of feel is happening. So you think hospitality is going to come back as it, as it was or better? Or do you think it's going to be? I I think it's going to look different, but I, I can't. I think everything's going to be different. Mm -hmm. I don't think anything personally is going to go back and I don't want it to go Mm -hmm. back Mm -hmm. in some ways. I think I want it to be responsive and respective and ebb and flow with what's actually going on instead of us all being in one mindset that it's all this way and everybody taking it for granted. I think it's quite nice in a way that everybody's had a bit of, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. my world's Mm -hmm. been tipped upside down. What am I really grateful for? Because mm-hmm. I reckon if you speak to most people, they can now name what they're really grateful for. Like, you know, you're like you were saying, the cup of coffee in the morning. What an amazing ritual. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, you could automatically just make it, drink it whilst you're running about, trying to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But actually now, it's, it's like precious time mm-hmm. that you really stop. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it felt to me, certainly with lockdown and stuff, there was kind of a collective awakening, certainly amongst my friends and acquaintances, um, that people suddenly were reassessing what was important yeah. and what they valued. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I, I was hoping that there was more of a society-wide reckoning of that. I mean, it seemed for a while like there was more of a recognition of the work that you know, everybody was doing what different people were doing in, in our society, the important like yeah. work that was never recognized before. And I don't know to what extent, I don't know if, what you guys think, if that has been sustained or if it slipped back to how it was before. Um, I don't know. I, I, I vacillate between feeling very optimistic and very pessimistic. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if cafes are... Um, a good center for for change 
um, which, uh, as you've explained, they obviously are, then, then I mean, it's great that more people are getting into coffee because I suppose what I, what I probably forget uh, now that I'm not working in it is that there's obviously probably hundreds and thousands, if not millions of people who have got into coffee um, since lockdown. Mm -hmm. And perhaps their, their introduction to speciality coffee has been at home with their grinder and mm -hmm. whatnot. So perhaps when the cafes open, reopen properly, um, you know, that might be their first experience of kind of actually being in a, there's bound to be a lot of people going in specialty cafes mm -hmm. for the first time, mm -hmm. um, having been drawn in during all this. Um, so they'll, so I suppose cafes hopefully will become more and more important, I, I suppose. Because mm -hmm. they, they can change a town, can't they? Yeah. I mean, where I was born and brought up, there was never, there was never, there was never anything resembling a, a specialty cafe till, till fairly recently. Mm -hmm. And you know, Coffee Apothecary, you heard of those guys? Um, so they've, they, they now have one where my parents live in Ellen. Mm -hmm. And um, it, can, it can transform the center of a town. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know we love going to see my parents, of course, but <laughs> it's uh, to have that kind of focus point to, mm -hmm. to head to, mm -hmm. to kick off the day, yeah. um, has completely changed our trips up there. Mm -hmm. Do you think, I've got a question, because for me, it was never coffee shops because that's not what was around in Somerset. It was pubs. Mm -hmm. um, we had a couple and we had Eli's, which was the place you went. It didn't have mm -hmm. a bar. It just had a wooden drawer. It was like, obviously, cider <laughs> and everything else. Um, and that was our go-to. And I love going back there because it just evoked so many memories. Like it was the place you went when you were 16 because your parents actually knew where you were and it was yeah. safe. But do you think in this culture now that's shifting, do you think coffees, I, well, I think coffee houses could replace it, replace the pub. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, it sounds, the situation for pubs and, you know, that trade sounds pretty diabolical. Yeah. Really. I don't mean to be disrespectful in that sense. Yeah. I just kind of was thinking about the kind of culture of it because mm -hmm. I don't think there's as much of a drinking culture as there used to be. Mm -hmm. I think I remember seeing something about young people drinking less than they. Yeah, I've mm. heard that. I mean, yeah. Yeah, sure. don't don't particularly yeah. <laughs> notice that here on a Saturday night. I mean, there, there may be um. bound to. Yeah, maybe the maybe the caf, uh, cafes are bound to be kind of mm. eating into that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. like when I was growing up, when I was a teenager specialty wasn't a thing it was before specialty um but because the drinking age was much higher at 21 like the spaces that I would hang out at were not alcohol spaces sure. um so they'd be diners record shops mm -hmm. real yeah. kind of you know like uh grotty kind of like open all night kind of like greek cafe yeah. no, I can <laughs> kind appreciate of thing that, that, and, that and they were case, yeah. such fun amazing spaces to yeah. hang out in and because there wasn't alcohol involved it was a completely different vibe than you know then when I moved here and was going to the pub and you know it, it just yeah it's a really different dynamic and I guess coffee as well like 
you know, you have different kinds of conversations when you're drinking coffee than sure. if you're, you know, six pints in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thought of it. <laughs> no, I think there's a lot of truth in that because, I mean, yeah. in, in Scotland, perhaps more so than lots of other places, you know, when you're 15 or 16 or whatever, that's just kind of, well, it certainly used to be the norm that that's what you would, that's what you would start gravitating towards the mm-hmm. pubs. Mm-hmm. Maybe that is changing, I'm not sure. Yeah. But I don't know, like, if there isn't, I don't, I don't feel there's enough of those kind of spaces that are, are accessible to teenagers and sure. young people. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, okay, yeah, I think we have a, you know, I, I like to think that we have, and you guys certainly seem to agree that we have like a nice, you know, ambiance here and whatever, but, you know, it's still really expensive to come and, and buy a coffee. And I mean, yeah, we've had quite a lot of young people come here over the years. We get the really tiny ones who come with their friend to have a cookie. It's super cute. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we've had teenagers who would come to have their espresso, you know, the, <laughs> those, those teenagers. Yeah. Um, with their their pals and stuff and and you know but but that's the exception rather than the, the rule definitely yeah. um and i know even from seeing like my daughter with her friends they're much more likely to go to a costa mm. obviously didn't raise her right <laughs> what's that all about no i mean it's just um basically because it's it's for more a smoothie kind mm-hmm. of thing which yeah. we don't yeah. do here so you know, the different spaces suit different people. But even still, like for a young teenager, those chain places are super expensive. They don't have that kind of disposable income. Like where I used to go hang out, it was like 90 cents for yeah. a bottomless cup of coffee. You could sit there for hours reading your, yeah. you know, posy kind of novel. <laughs> reading like on the road or something, you know, visibly yeah. in the corner in your Nougahide booth with your cup of coffee. <laughs> Our childhoods totally were very different. Yeah. <laughs> thinking, wow. We used to walk four miles home from the pub at like, well, closing hours were at like 11 and you'd be walking with a torch down the back of these yeah. country lanes. <laughs> and just like spooking yourself out because something made a noise. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, listen, I should really let you guys get on with your Friday <laughs> evening, but thank you so, so much. That's You're just welcome. reminding me that I need to make sure that I'm well stocked up with coffee at Christmas yeah. time. Oh, yeah. Well, don't worry. Yeah. We're going to have plenty of coffee here. We'll, we'll be here. Who knows we'll what's going to happen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're just, I mean, so far, we're just planning on being closed what we're usually Christmas and Boxing Day on the 1st of January. Yeah. And, and the rest of the days we'll do. But we might go back to the hatch. Yeah. Because we're a bit concerned with so many people coming visit. Well, because exactly. I think people will be coming visiting from elsewhere, no matter what the rules. I are. think it's a good system, and like you say, so, it was it worked for me. Yeah. It's got to be seriously cool for me to not want to sit outside. Yeah, and if it, and if I suppose if lots of your regular customers feel awkward and then start don't coming because for whatever reason, um, if that nice simple process helps them keep coming, then yeah. Yeah, we figure people will be wanting to go for walks on the beach together with friends and family and whatever. So, you know, stopping by and getting a takeaway coffee will hopefully be a part of that. And and just doing it from the hatch makes it maybe quite, mm-hmm. you know, quicker and more efficient even. Um, it's nice just now having people being able to come inside. Has reusable cup, I'm 
I'm kind of stretching this out even more. Now. Has reusable. It's okay, cameras looking forward to the editing. <laughs> has reusable cup usage gone up during this? Do you know, it's amazing because when we first reopened, a lot of people assumed we wouldn't be accepting reusable cups because it took a real hit, you know, all the chains and whatever, nobody was taking. And um, yeah, and I've been to places since for takeaway coffees uh, who've refused my reusable and I felt incensed about it. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of set back the environmental movement, you know, um, which I think we should be more environmentally conscious now rather You'd than You'd think less. it'd be, yeah, less kind of but, easier, more... Um, yeah, because you're working from home, right? So, yeah. you, you know, well, a lot of people... Your system seems to be pretty kind of feel safe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's perfectly, perfectly safe how, how we do it. It's no yeah. contact. Um, and I felt, and this is credit to our customers, I felt that the use certainly went up. Uh, when, you know, when we reopened, we were having way more reusable cups. Once people knew that they were able to bring them here, and yeah. we did a lot of promotion of that, we had way more people bringing reusables than we used to. If I ever forget, which is very rare, yeah, I feel so guilty. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. To the point where <laughs> the I'm like, scorn. I think I might just not go. Yeah. Or go home. Yeah. You um, guys are both awesome at bringing your reusable cups, both of you. Just superstars. I'm pretty much lives in my bag yeah. just in case yeah. I might go to North Barry. It's just so not worth the, the guilt. No, that's <laughs> why. But this is why I've invited you guys the on. The guilt that I put on myself. Because you're both reusable yeah, cup myself. champions, you see. Yeah. If, if you had yeah. ever taken on paper cups you wouldn't have been invited to come and talk to us <laughs> <laughs> we're very judgy that's the bar we've met we've done well then obviously <laughs> nothing oh. about our chat just no, reusable nothing cups. about the chat it's the fact that you've passed the test when it comes to reusables yeah. <laughs> well done <laughs> thank you <laughs> no thank you thanks very much Pleasure.